everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cinema Snorkel. We missed you. We were gone for a minute, but uh, we're back at it, and we're so excited. Uh, Casey, how you been? How are you? I've, I've been good, and yeah, sorry to all of our desperate raving fans That's out right, there. You lunatics. You, you crazy snorkelites, you snorkelers. <laughs> snorkelites, oh no. This podcast is secondary to the uh, the nature of travel and work for us, so we might miss a week here and there, but that's not our intention. Our intention is to keep them coming. That's right. Give the people what they need, you know? Carlin, I'm so stoked for this episode, and I'm more excited knowing that you are literally, you still have the popcorn dust on your fingers oh, from I? the Ooh, theater. that off. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. <laughs> you might want to, but you are fresh from the theater having just literally watched Top Gun Maverick. Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage the expectations. Yeah, I literally came in the door like less than 20 minutes ago from seeing a matinee of Top Gun. Um, Hmm. Just so we could record this episode, but yeah, I'm so excited because I am fresh off of it. I haven't had time to really contemplate it so much, but you have had several days. Don't think, just do. That's right. Don't think, just do. Just just (laughs) say the thoughts, all the thoughts, just movie analysis, go. Okay, but I was literally on my way out of the theater. I went to CityWalk at Universal because I get free parking there and because I had the best showtime and $5 Movie Tuesday. And on on my way out of the theater, I stopped and I thought to myself, I did not even pay attention to where I parked. There's thousands of parking spots in two ginormous parking structures. And I didn't even glance. <laughs> but then he, but then I heard Tom Cruise's sweet, sweet voice come into my head, and he said to me, "Don't think, just do." And so I felt my way back and found my car immediately. Come on, wait, you did? You actually I did? Literally walked straight to it. I was gonna say, if you couldn't find your car, maybe the enemy conveniently left a car parked for you that doesn't need a key you can just kind of get in it and just and it had gas in it and it had all the missiles that i would need and all the firepower was just stored in that thing ready to go i mean i didn't know your car needed missiles but you do (laughs) you dog fight out there it was a dog fight it's a dog fight all the way home baby all the way home (laughs) with florida drivers it kind of is (laughs) so carlin i mean the big question Right off the bat, did you like Mm. Top Gun Maverick? Go. Oh, yes. It was so fun. I mean, it was like heavy on the nostalgia, but I was expecting that. It was like a peanut butter and nostalgia sandwich. Like, I knew it was coming, and boy, did they deliver. Uh, Yeah, so my first impression is, yes, it was so fun. It was uh, full of heart and full of exactly what I expected, which is amazing flying scenes and lots of testosterone-filled sports on the beach during the sunset. Sort of mandatory. Jennifer Connelly's sexy, sexy eyes. <laughs> it's kind of mandatory, like, uh, just being on the beach and playing sweaty sports. Like, that's part of the Top yeah. Gun. You have to that's have right. that. It's part of the Top Gun universe. Casey, what did you think of Top Gun? Give me your, give me your oh. opinions. Oh, man. All right. I have to confess, I was cynical going mm. in because... If a movie is billing itself as just a nostalgia and peanut mm-hmm. butter sandwich, 
I'm usually ready for a mm. bad movie. <laughs> I have to be honest. The more movies, the more movies, in my opinion, start to go like, look, we broke the fourth wall so you, the audience, could feel nostalgic. Yeah. Remember Here's this? a moment for you. Aw. It's, it's like, no, now you're telling me about a moment and you're not actually like focused yeah. on Yeah, okay, yeah. And so you... And so, listen, usually I'm a cynic, but Carlin, I freaking loved Freaking loved? Movie. You freaking loved it? Oh, yeah. It, it, I freaking, it got the freaking loved uh, stamp wow. of approval. I looked I looked at my wife, who I dragged to see all these cinema movies. What a good sport she is. Good job, me. Hannah. She's amazing. And I said, this is awesome. <laughs> I didn't yell it because we were in a theater, but I, the intensity uh-huh. was there. And she knew. She's like, oh. He thinks this is awesome. <laughs> I'm sure everybody thought <laughs> She's like, that they could pick up on that. From- hey, was there a moment in the movie where you, you, if you were going to like stand up and applaud, was there a moment that that would have happened for you that stands out to you? Oh, listen, I'm not going to lie that there were so many moments. And again, I'm a cynic. I was like, I they're just going to rake in the nostalgia and not tell a good story. But they did. They told yeah. a great story. Honestly, when the jets go over backwards over the mm-hmm. ridge I thought that looked so daggum yeah. cool that yeah, I would have applauded right there on the like on the mission, on the final they run like when they like nail the target. A quick um question about the story. I I'm unclear on this. Did his targeting system go out and he was shooting blind when he finally made that final shot? He goes he was yelling something in their um in their technical jargon about like a blind laser, blind I'm going to blind. Uh, <laughs> sidewinder blind. Yeah, because if so, that would have been a really cool callback to that first scene in the bar when he's like, they're throwing darts at the dartboard and he's like, 20 bucks says you can't make three in a row. And then in the last shot, he covers his eyes and he still nails the bullseye. And I'm like, what? Layers. Oh my word. No, literally. Well, I didn't pick up on that, but that. I think that's great. I'm going to yes. choose to believe that yeah, that's what that they is what happened. Good job, filmmakers. I couldn't tell if it like suddenly worked, like the targeting computer. Like Luke, you've turned yeah. off your targeting computer. If that's what they were going for, or if it <laughs> actually force, he actually like did his job and targeted it yeah. right on time. Whatever. I mean, the whole I would say the gist of the movie is, or one of the gist of the movies is, it's the pilot, not the plane, oh, right? Man. So it would make sense. It would it would fit the bill if it was. The pilot's skill at shooting that target is more important than having all his systems in full operation. Sure. I buy that and I believe it. Boom. Mm. I mean, Carlin, I think that gets us right into uh, our themes. Yeah. You want to start unpacking the, the themes the of themes. Top Gun? Yes. Let's do it. Um, What are the themes? Now... <laughs> This is a great test of our podcast because, again, I, I keep going into some of these movies like there's not going to be too many themes to unpack. But right. but I think a great one to start with is the one you just talked about. It's the pilot, uh-huh. not the plane. Yeah. Boy, do they say that a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever. But it's still awesome, okay? Mm-hmm. Because we all want to believe in pilots, not planes. Yeah. Part of, the, part of what they're pulling on is the nostalgia of like someday we'll be in an age of drone warfare where our drones blow everything up oh, and, yeah. and there's people basically playing high-tech video games and we all are going to miss the days, right. the glory days, you know, when... Of skill, of skilled pilots who wear cool sunglasses and can just pull these amazing maneuvers out of their hats. Did you know, Carlin, that actually aviator sunglasses are standard issue for Navy pilots? 
I didn't know that, but I'm so glad to know that. The military makes sure that Navy pilots are issued a set of aviator sunglasses. Like they get they get their fatigues and their boots and their haircut and a pair of aviators. Literally a pair of aviators. And a, yeah. and a dog tag to go with it. Accessorize. And actually You've a leather accessorize jacket. the Navy. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, a leather jacket too. Huh? A leather jacket. Yep. Those are actually, and some some like military buff is going to come in and be like, no, you're wrong. But literally Google told me this. And so I wow. believe it. Google knows. Yeah. The thing for me, what sells a story is like the world building. Does it feel believable? Mm -hmm. And to be honest, they actually sold me on it. Like they sold me even yeah. on that first mission. I was like, okay, like I'll go there. Like he's so decorated that they've kept him in the Navy as a captain. I'll believe yeah. that he's still like test flying these planes. Yeah, I, I, I actually believed it. So I appreciated what they did there. It it actually wasn't so heavy in on, on the nostalgia that they forgot to sell us on like the premise of the film. It right. felt believable to me. Which the only thing that I remember about the first one, other than feeling absolutely betrayed that Goose died, I that hurt mm. me so bad. But is that the world is very incomplete. Like you don't who are they fighting? I don't know. What war are we in? It uh, doesn't really matter. They're fighting. That's the whole point. And it, it feels very nebulous. And in this one, we still don't really have a lot of context. We know they're in a snowy setting at the end. Mm -hmm. and But we never get a look at the ethnicity of the pilots. Right. We don't really know anything about who or what right. or why. Yeah. On that note, I mean, I read an op-ed in the New York Times. Uh, so everyone's like trying their best to read in political uh stuff yeah. into this movie and i think one of the this op-ed said one of the triumphs of this movie is that you just can't do it like <laughs> try try to try to ask like what they're saying geopolitically you right. cannot do it yeah i mean other than like a very toned back given what the premise of this movie is is naval fighter pilots it's a very yeah. like gentle america's cool but I actually kind of respected how well they threaded that needle, to be honest. They had mm -hmm. to do like a triple miracle with this film to not <laughs> offend huge parts of their audience. And and actually, I genuinely think they did it. And I, yeah. I went the whole movie being like, okay, this is like pleasantly neutral on political mm -hmm. things. Yeah. And they do that by offering you story. So we care right. about Maverick. We care about Goose. And we care about Rooster. And we want to see the team become a team and get each other's backs. And they kind of, as far as themes, I feel like there's kind of a lot of themes thrown in there. It's not like a strong statement film. Like they're not like, here's what our big idea that we're trying to yeah, put forward. Right. But they are weaving together a lot of themes that have to do with heroes. You know, like, are you going to go back for your for your comrade that's fallen? Or yeah. are you going to risk your own life to save your friends? Are you um, going to forgive the bullies? Are you going to, you know, just kind of like hero themes? Yeah. I mean, okay, so I think the two biggest themes that they were trying to communicate were uh, recklessness versus rules. Oh, um, okay. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's just like the the big Top that's Gun the premise. Maverick theme. His yeah. name is Maverick for crying out loud! Like it's not subtle that that's what they're doing. <laughs> and in the original right. Top Gun, his his like uh, antagonist is Iceman, who's like <laughs> so dedicated to the book and doing it by the book that it's like he's got ice right. in his veins, no passion. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, but he likes to jab. Maverick a little bit and get them all riled up like like locking horns you know and it's like Maverick versus Iceman like recklessness versus rules which one is the best way how do you get the best fighter pilot yeah. but no they're like I like that in a pilot you know they keep saying that like right. oh, yeah you crazy son of a gun I love that because it's way cooler it's way cooler <laughs> it than cool. following the rules I mean but also the question is what's gonna get the job done what's needed here right do we need 
and and that boils down to that the first thing we were just talking about is what's needed machines that follow rules or is what's needed pilots who make judgment calls yeah and push themselves past what the limits are saying and turns out that is what's needed yeah like they actually need a good pilot even if he's in this um antique of an aircraft in order to save the day this time and there are a lot of obvious ways that they say that you know maybe by him blowing up like three generation mm. five fighters in a plane from the 80s you know so they yeah, seem to have made their right. point in that way <laughs> <laughs> are there any other subtler ways that they they sort of made the point that you need that recklessness versus the rules yeah well he let's just go back through the film um they kick him out right Iceman's the one who goes out on a limb mm-hmm. for him he believes in him he's the one that brings him back to train mm-hmm. these guys um and girl right and he uh gets kicked out because when Iceman dies he loses his only uh ally who's keeping him there and then he's like she she tells him, hey, you wouldn't abandon your wingman in the air, so are you going to abandon him on the ground right here? And if not, you're going to have to find a way. Right, because he knows that they're going to fail the mission if he doesn't do something yeah. crazy. Like, and, and actually, so the, so the movie does, real life might never actually set up the premise quite this perfectly, but I'm here uh-huh. for it because the movie does. They're like, mm-hmm. you've got to do it in under two minutes. And right. the new instructor's like, well, you, you know, you got two minutes, 30 seconds, just right. get there. And he knows that they might accomplish the mission, but they'll die if they do it yeah. just by the rules. So given right. given that premise, it's actually absolutely time to be a maverick and uh-huh. steal the jet the first time and do the run, you know, on the screen yeah. while they're all watching. So that they believe they can. Right. Because otherwise they are going to die. And the Navy's just like, well, that's the risk that they all signed up right. for. It's not really a risk. It's almost like certain death. Yeah. Let me just say, I like that they did that because what it shows me is that they didn't undo the character development that Mm. Maverick went through back, you know, in the 80s version of this movie. He learned to care more about people than the glory or the status. Yeah. And uh, he did that by losing Goose. And so you see that actually it's made him into this like kind of seasoned Uh, capable kind of guy in his older Mm -hmm. age that actually Mm -hmm. I so appreciated um, because that maverick side of him has mellowed somewhat, right? Yeah. And the most refreshing way that I think they showed that through was how he treats Penny Benjamin. Oh, yeah. Versus how he treated the girl in the first one. Which is her. No, different girl. What? No. Yeah, totally different girl. Oh, yeah, Carlin, big surprise for you. I'm so confused. It's a different girl. I thought it was her. No way. No way, Jose. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, so let me explain this. Please do. So here's what happens. In the in the very first Top Gun, they make this passing reference to, they say, you've done a flyby on the control tower and an admiral's <laughs> daughter. And Goose looks at Maverick and goes, Penny Benjamin? Oh! They just drop that name as but just like you never like meet a, her. Yeah, so we never oh. meet her, but they brought her back because Kelly McGill's was like, I'm not into this role. I don't uh-huh. want to reprise it. I, she lives I'm in the old. same house, though. She lives in a very similar house, which was why they were pouring on the nostalgia. If you heavy. hadn't told me that, I would not have known at all. But that doesn't matter. It's not really but relevant. But she, she, she looks She's so different. different. I mean, she looks I know, nothing but, like Charlie, the original. Okay, there are fans of this movie. <laughs> I'm, I liked it, but I'm not like a diehard uh, Top Gun fan. So okay, I'm excused right. from knowing that. Okay, okay. You're excused. Yeah, so it's funny. He comes in and he... Watching the 80s movie is cringy to the max. Like how forward Mm. he is with this instructor who he's hitting on. 
and it is absolutely cringy. You're just saying, and just like the way he I, treats her, he's kind of like reckless sexually pursuing her. And in a post Me Too world, they could they could and should never yeah. uh, portray that kind of aggression. But in the '80s, it was par for the course. You know, you think about all the right. uh, James Bond movies, and you know everything that had come before. So. And it was very much like in with the time. So part of it is they're responding mm-hmm. to social pressure on that, I think, in a very good way. But in another way, I think they really did incorporate that mm-hmm. Tom Cruise has mellowed in some ways. Yeah. This is the last time I'm going to sneak out your window. I loved that line. I yeah. actually loved that line. And her daughter is like, just don't break her heart. Yeah. And I just yeah. was like, that's refreshing, actually. There's some character development we see from Maverick's character that makes him a yeah. likable guy. Yeah, he's not just going to hit and run. He And that is, I mean, there you're right. That is all what he learned in the first film was he's all brazen and um, doesn't give a crap about anybody but himself and his right. glory or h- what women he hurts along the way. Right. And in this one, they really drive it home in that scene where he's questioning them, why did you fail? Why did you fail? And they're like, well, I didn't have the blah, blah, blah. And he's like, is that is that the reason you would give to the family at the funeral? Yeah. And he pushes back on them because he's been there. He's done that. Yeah. He thought he could get away with it. And then he's been held to task to say, you are responsible for the people's lives who your actions affect. Yeah. And I got to say, so like the infamous one for me that that hurt the deepest was uh, in the Star Wars universe. They had Han Solo go back to being a smuggler. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know what. I guess I'll just go smuggle some stuff. You know, you and hated that, that I, I truly loathed that with my whole being. <laughs> Sorry, anyone who likes the Star Wars sequels. But it's like, man, the whole journey of Han Solo is that he goes from being a selfish mm. kind of rogue in the very first one to becoming a general in the Alliance and laying mm. down his life, like doing the sacrifice play yeah. for the rest of, of his friends. So yeah. to just revert him back to being like a runaway dad who leaves Leia to be the general so he can do what? Smuggle a big squid or whatever in space. It's yeah. like. Why are you doing this? Why yeah, are you hurting yeah, yeah. my heart? Why are you ruining one of the best characters in all of cinematic history? And then kill him real quick. And I know you still love him, so people are going to be like, well, but he's like a great father figure to Ray." And I, okay, fair, but I just, it felt sloppy to me. Give us a reason why, better than yeah. just my son went crazy, to undo all of this painstaking character development with Han Solo. But the lesson I've learned from this is you can't just can't rely on nostalgia alone to carry your movie. Like you have to do good storytelling. Yeah, don't just throw away all the character development that you spent three movies building, whatever. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, sequels fans. But Top Gun Maverick, honestly, is a pretty good example of how to do it well. I thought this movie was better than the original Top Gun. Yeah. Like by far and away, to be honest. Yeah. The original Top Gun is like. Uh, it's a vibe, but it's like not not super deep. <laughs> it's just not like really. this is awesome. Like, oh no, we lost his mojo. Volleyball on the uh, beach. Yeah, and that's what people remember <laughs> from it. They actually managed to create something pretty. I don't know, moving with this one. I really liked it. Okay, so our themes we've got uh, being responsible. Yeah, recklessness versus rules. Maverick by this point has just the right amount of pushing the rules. For the right reasons. Which is to, to protect people and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. To do the right thing. Okay, good. And the other big theme that I think you see in the Top Gun movies is just never leave your wingman. Hmm. So you see this in the original one because it's Goose and Mav versus Iceman and uh, like what, whoever his wingman is. I can't remember. Um, yeah. And they're all like going at it, like so mad at each other, huh. cocky, like who's the best, competing against each other. Yeah. Then when Goose dies... 
Maverick actually realizes his new wingman is Iceman. And in the real world situation, he's got to care for Iceman and like yeah. and protect him and not just be his like antagonist. Right. So they learn how to play as a team and never uh-huh. lose their wingman because Goose's sacrifice actually changes Maverick in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then they become good old pals. Good old pals. For the rest of, for the rest of his life. Yeah. Mm. And the same kind of storyline is echoed in this movie with Hangman. Yes. Hangman and Iceman are the mirror image. Of yeah. Rooster. And uh, the thing with Rooster, Goose's son, is that he's too timid. Hmm. He's like scared. He plays. And he doesn't want to push his limits. Yeah. He doesn't know his limits. He is like the Iceman a little bit to Hangman's reckless cockiness. Uh-huh. So Maverick is like just forced to confront like himself from the past with this dude Hangman yeah. who's so yeah. just like, you know, just like cocky and like, well. Yeah, in your face. Are you good? Oh, I'm good. It's like so corny, but oh also, gosh. yeah, I, be- I believe it. This is fun. I- I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that they did that because I'm sure you notice this and most of our listeners will have noticed this like. Maverick has to so he's so disrespectful to teacher Charlie in the first one when he's hitting on her at the bar and then the very next day he shows up in class and who should be teaching the class but this woman that he's just like been going after burn and so in this one same thing but Maverick's on the receiving end he's like disrespected by all these students in this bar uh-huh. with a rowdy tradition. Oh, yeah. Then who should show up teaching the class the next day? It's Maverick. So there's some like poetic justice to that. Yeah, right. So they don't know that he's going to teach them when they're all like, yeah. Throw them out the door. Yeah. I also thought the never leave your wingman uh, theme applies this time to Penny Benjamin mm, as well. Mm-hmm. In a really, honestly, a great way. See, because like Charlie is there. And tell me if you uh, think this is true or false okay. about the first one. She's there basically to dust Maverick up and be like, you've lost your mojo, bro. Like, are you going to sit back and like, this isn't the Maverick I know. Get out there and kick some butt. And she like picks him up off his feet when he's sitting in the bar uh, morning uh-huh. goose. Um, but then she just kind of disappears. He's not really there for yeah. her as yeah, much. Right. There's like a casual implicit kind of chauvinism uh-huh. that no one no one intended, but it's just like how it kind yeah, of plays not. out. But they redeem it this time with Penny. Mm -hmm. Because she's got a life going on. She's got a daughter. He's like not just going to swoop in and swoop out like he always does. He's like going to stick it out this time. And I I thought for sure he was proposing to her before he went. And I thought she was going to say something like, yes, I'll marry you. And I'm like, yeah, you put a ring on it. But then we're just... That's just implied, I guess, that he's not going to break her heart anymore. So as long as he didn't break her heart anymore, that's okay. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> if you want real commitment, definitely, I mean, you should put a ring on it. We're going to argue yes, as Christians. That's what it is. That's what putting a ring on it is. It's just is saying I'm, I'm committing to you even when I don't feel like it, even when something else calls me away. I'm choosing here and now to keep choosing it. Yeah, come on. And I'll settle for a movie that actually points us in the direction of sticking around when things get Mm -hmm. tough because Mm -hmm. even that Mm -hmm. is rare and uh i'll take it one more theme before we move on to our third question what you got that i kind of felt like was a theme sometimes you have to just trust someone even though you know that they're not ready i guess this is more of a parenting theme that's what she tells him when she's talking about her daughter she's like he's like you guys are doing a lot better than you used to and she's like well i realized i kind of had to trust her um even though i was so afraid And when you have that fear, I guess as a parent, I don't know, because I've only ever parented a fish 
and it mm. hasn't ended well for me. Oh no. But um, I know. But you have to when you're afraid that you're gonna lose someone. Um, you can get this like white knuckle grip on their life. And that's what Maverick does to Rooster when he pulls him back a year. He's like, he's not ready. And, and I promised his mom, I wouldn't put him in jeopardy. So he holds him back and then gets resented for it. And at the end, he kind of, they set up that whole tension where it's like, are you going to hold them back because you're afraid of losing him? Like you lost his dad, or are you going to put a little faith in him and see if he rises to the occasion? That's great. Yeah. And he does, and he does. He does, and he does. And it works out amazing, and they have this amazing, like, buddy cop kind of reunion yeah. where they're flying the old um, F-14 oh. Tomcat together, yeah. just like the good old days. And Carlin, the the, I wanted to stand and applaud <laughs> at that moment as well, because, gosh darn it, but the nostalgia is real. And speaking of parents, I mean, I think that hit home in particular, because we always say this, our, Tom Cruise reminds us of our dad. Uh, yes yes it's so true like especially mission impossible tom cruise where he's just winging it and just like things just magically go his way he's just grabbing this to fix that and just the last disarming the bomb and he has a plan but it's not all the details aren't uh necessarily scoped out he's just a little bit flying by the seat of his pants and like it it just like ding ding this happened to open up like oh i just got the parking spot oh i just got upgraded to first class oh i just got that just happens to our dad he just Stuff goes right for him, and then he just goes. I would for say it. Um, he's incredibly street smart, Dad. He just yes. he knows yeah. how things go and how they work. He he just talks to people. He's like, "Hey, what what the, what do you think we could?" And they're just like, "Oh yeah, we can do that." And like most people never ask, but he does because he kind of just he mm-hmm. just knows how people work. And he knows it. It's intuitive, and that's why he can look at the a uh, scene from any film and tell you exactly what, what state, what street, what city. He just knows those yeah. things. We're a little hamstrung by our digital technology. It's the pilot, not the plane. It's the pilot, not the plane. I need Google Maps to go anywhere. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> yeah. But also the '80s vibes of this. I mean, I think it landed for me because that's our parents. They grew up in Southern California. Yeah. Do you remember back in like mm, 2007 or something? We found a picture at our grandma's house of dad in the eighties wearing Ray-Bans in his hot pink swim trunks that were like five inches shorter than we were comfortable with at the time. We made fun of him so hard for that. And now, now that eighties nostalgia Joke's is back on us. with a vengeance. He's the coolest there ever was. Jokes on us. So those are our themes. Shall we move on to our third question? Let's do. Carlin, what does a Christian worldview say about, um, First of all, r- recklessness versus rules. Where do we where do we fit our view of life and reality? Ooh. <laughs> when 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 is it okay actually to buck the rules as a Christian, and when is it okay to be? Um, well, well, how about this? Go by the rules. Wiki wiki what? Casey, no. what do you think? You can't just <laughs> reverse that on me. I, I, I have no idea. I don't know. Yes, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you have some idea. I think what I'm I'm gonna say is. Um, well, there's there's the famous quote by G.K. Chesterton where he says, as I got to know Christianity, I'm paraphrasing, he says, as I mm-hmm. got to know Christianity, I observed that while it did have a set of rules, the mm-hmm. primary purpose of those rules for, was for good things to run wild. Mm-hmm. And I just lead off with that because if you're not religious and you you know hear people talking about their religion, you, rules are going to be the very close to the first thing you think about. Yes. But, but and I yeah. don't want to I don't want to lay it too heavy on this movie to communicate that theme. But I just like <laughs> as almost a parallel theme in Christianity, I think 
you'd be surprised that the rules are there for human flourishing, first of all. Mm -hmm. Um, But the essence of the Christian story is about bucking arbitrary uh, rules that people make to sort of earn our way towards God. Jesus himself comes in and wrecks our desire to live in these neat, tidy boxes. Now, he doesn't Mm -hmm. say there's no such thing as lines uh, and moral lines and no such thing as boxes. He just reframes them in terms of God's categories for what they are, which nine times out of ten, and this is the surprising part, they will blow our minds with how much freedom they actually give us and are designed to give us. Okay, this is awesome. Let me backtrack a second. What do you mean when you say Jesus comes in? What rules and boxes are you thinking of when you say that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Jesus was born into an incredibly rich and dramatic period in history. Mm -hmm. I was talking with a friend about this who just got back from a trip to Israel. Mm. And the question first century Jews were asking was, how do we survive under the boot of Roman oppression? Mm. How do we Mm -hmm. keep our culture? How do we not be blown away by Rome uh, took in. And there's a sect called the Pharisees, and we'll all recognize that term. But what I always think Yeah, if is you've that, read the Bible, you've heard the word Pharisee probably. Yeah. The Pharisees were like, well, Rome won't appropriate our culture. Hmm. We are going to take a stand on our tradition and on our law, and we're not going to let Roman oppression wipe away who we are as a people. Hmm. Um, like when people said that they were a Pharisee in the first century, they were bragging. They actually were like, yeah. I'm a hero. I'm the, I'm a good guy. Of Judaism, a hero of Judaism and the oh, Jewish yeah. people. But what Jesus does, and this is what got him, uh, this isn't what got him killed. Claiming to be God is what got him killed yeah. eventually. But it led up to this as he clashed with these Pharisees. He said, you guys, you want to look good. You want to be the heroes. But what you're doing is burdening people with tradition that actually violates the core commandment of God's law, Mm -hmm. which Jesus iterates is in the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, uh, strength, Uh and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. What you need to realize is that in God's economy, people matter more than these uh, traditions. Huh. And actually what, what he was saying was that the fulfillment of God's law as God gave it is found in him, and the emphasis has always been on people. You've just lost the right. way. The really radical message of Jesus as it relates to the Pharisees is he accuses them of being whitewashed hmm. tombs. Because it wasn't that the things that they were doing were necessarily always mm-hmm. wrong. But what he was saying was God actually cares way more about your heart and, and your inner self than your outward appearance. Mm-hmm. So Jesus says, no, actually, there there are real moral absolutes, but what matters the most is that what God sees, which is what's going on in your heart, which means doing things for the right reason. Yeah. I'm thinking of the story when um, Jesus heals a blind man on the Sabbath. Right. Great example. And the Pharisees come at him and they're like, what are you doing? Like, you can't, this is the Sabbath. Like, and, and for people who aren't familiar, the Sabbath was the last day of the week when Jews from sun down that night to the next sundown, they don't do any work whatsoever. Like it was very strict. They were so strict about this law. And here comes Jesus, who's a Jewish man who knew the law and he's doing quote unquote work. But what, remind me, what does he say to them? He says, if one of your donkeys falls in a pit on the Sabbath, aren't you going to pull it out? So how much more should I care about this human being made in God's Mm -hmm. image? The Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's not that the Sabbath doesn't matter. 
it's that yeah. he's restoring what its original function was, which was rest. The actual heart of it. Yeah, the whole the whole point of it. So awesome. And so maybe you're listening to this and going, weren't we just talking about like fighter jets? Why are we? <laughs> how did we, aviator sunglasses? How did we get here? <laughs> Yeah, it's because we like to talk about Jesus. We do, and I don't want to read the Jesus moral into Top Gun Maverick, yeah, okay? Because no, because I, I think that honestly, in this case in particular, that'd be reaching. Yes, I just want to make like a, a no, Casey. It's an allegory. It's an allegory. It's an allegory. It's... Maverick is like Jesus. I'm kidding. But I guess what I just would say is the answer to like where Christian practice would fall on the question of like rules versus Mm -hmm. recklessness actually it's more complicated than you'd think that's all all that to say yeah it's not just christianity and religion is rules do's and don'ts and we don't like that we want to be free from that christianity it takes all that into consideration in a very nuanced and actually purposeful way in fact if i may be so bold please do if you trace the history of western thought Mm -hmm. as americans we have our own version of this and it comes with plenty of drawbacks you know we're gonna be like yeah mm-hmm. just be reckless like just break the rules you know tradition sucks uh and so i want to be careful of that because that's that's not a worldview that the biblical authors would be familiar with as you know middle easterners and yet there is that strain of western thought that actually values the individual over the mm-hmm. collective and you can trace that back to a distinctly Judeo-Christian worldview. Hmm. When Plato, for example, is designing his ideal city, it looks Mm -hmm. basically like communism. It's like the philosopher (laughs) kings rule and you have these tiers of slaves and people give their children over to be raised by other people so that they can, you know, it's it's not a lot of dignity to the individual person. It's about the well-being of society, maybe at the expense of, yeah, and no one takes Plato's like ideal society super seriously. Um, (laughs) But as Westerners, that that strain of individualism comes to us from a worldview that says every individual person is made in the image of God. Hmm. And and when and if the laws of the land go against the laws of your conscience uh, as given to you by the God of the universe, who's your Uh primary relationship, then it's your duty to actually stand against the weight of the collective and to do the hmm. right thing. Mm-hmm. And, and other cultures have had that, but not to the same extent. It has not been spelled out that explicitly. That's a distinctly hmm. Judeo-Christian idea that went on to, over time, like a seed that's buried in the ground, lead us to things mm-hmm. like the Reformation, where Martin Luther hammered his 95 theses in the Wittenberg Church, and he's like, here I stand, I can do no other. And all of these like right. stands of conscience through the years on behalf of the dignity of the individual, you can trace back to a Judeo-Christian mm. worldview. Even though the system is against this and this is how we've come to just exist, I know that it actually does matter, the individual. Well, based on the law of God that, that Christians believe God's written onto every individual heart. Right. So we know, yeah. we actually have a, a reason to trust that inner voice that says, do the right thing. Yeah. So that's heavy handed. Maybe it just helps <laughs> you have background for like why this story resonates with Americans so much, you know, for better or worse. That is absolutely intrinsic and supercharged to our identity as Americans. Yeah, that is the American story. We're all yeah. maverick, really. Gonna pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. We love that. Yeah, even when we don't love it, we love it. Yeah, but what I think maybe our culture is be- is becoming a little bit awakened to is the responsibility that that carries. Like maybe we used to have the mindset of just like 
go for your dreams and do the thing that is like that kind of like conquerors mentality. And then lately, I feel like it's been much more important to stop and consider, okay, well, what did this mean for the people in my path? What did this mean for the Native Americans that suffered? What did this mean right. for um, Black Americans that were have been abused in our country? Like, right. th- that's part of the American story too now because we've chosen it to be more considerate and thoughtful. Of okay, how would we be responsible to um, the more vulnerable people that our actions affect? Yeah, I love that. And that's what Maverick does. There's an element where America in the '80s was pretty reckless. Yes. <laughs> Because they were, um, I think there were a lot of factors that came together. I mean, it was the, uh, like, Gordon Gecko greed is good kind of era. Uh-huh. Just work so hard. Work and hard, just, play hard. Just party hard, just play hard. And I think there, the culture was also um, relatively, well, it was more homogenous. It was less globalized. Mm-hmm. We were locked in this Cold War struggle. So the enemy, it was okay to just, like throw your whole weight against communist Russia. Right, those dirty Russians. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking, even in Stranger Things, that's like, oh, the Russians. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, because communist Russia is bad. I, I think we could safely say. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, USSR the Soviet was Union. Bad. Yeah, bad, bad, bad. Um, so it's Human just rights a, abuse out the wazoo. Totally. And But it just was a different era where things felt a little like... Black and white. Yeah, black and white. And almost like it was safe to just go hog wild uh and like people were kind of hungry for that they were sick of being bored they're ready to just like go fly higher make more money like do better and top gun the original one just really tapped into that zeitgeist yep and now we're in an age where things are way less culturally homogenous um Uh we're struggling with just how divided we are i mean it it feels like we don't want to break our democracy we want to (laughs) like we're kind of going okay you can't just just relish like going crazy a little bit right. i don't know why and maybe i'm just imagining you gotta tread that. carefully because it's yeah it's not quite as black and white what is that change i think it comes from regret of the past looking back and seeing i mean literally let's bring it back to top gun like so there's kind of that recklessness right and then in the second one he's mellowed out and he's like golly i i'm not just gonna play around with hearts and then and then abandon them like I'm I actually want to be responsible to the to my best friend's son who I you know I got his dad killed you know and now I'm I don't want to do that again so yeah I mean just to sum it up too with that never leave your wingman I think the original Top Gun lands there and this one does too which is that um you kind of need a team that actually we need like people who are different than us to make a functional team um we're made different on purpose and I actually do think that a Christian worldview firmly reiterates that. It grounds our equality in the fact that every single person is made in mm-hmm. God's image with infinite mm-hmm. value just by being who they are. But it also, having anchored us in that equality, gives us uh, room to be different than each other yeah. and to have different skills and strengths that we bring to the table. Yeah, man, Christianity really does dignify your individuality. I was just reading the other day in 1 Corinthians um, when Paul is talking about the body of Christ is like a, then when we say the body of Christ, we mean the church. Um, it functions like a body where there's different members with different functions and some of them look at each other like the thumb looks at the nose and is like, well, I wish I was the nose. And then, I, I but thumb if we my nose noses, at you. If we were on noses, who would give us a double thumbs up? You yeah, know? and who would pick the noses? Because that's, that's got to be done. You need a thumb it's, to pick your... You pick your nose no, with no. your thumb? That is terrible. 
Let me think about it for a second. You're poor. Yeah, nost- I do, actually. No, you don't. No, I do. Though. No, yes. I don't want to believe that. What what finger do you use? Well, your index finger, naturally. That you have to turn it backwards. You're telling to do me that. you use your biggest finger. This is let's cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> let's cut this out. No, I'm the editor. I'm gonna keep it in. <laughs> oh man. Hey, I could end us with some top gun facts. How about yeah, that? Yeah, let's do some top gun facts. Okay, but let me just I think Carlin, you summed it up best, which is that Christianity dignifies the individual. And yeah. so the heart of the it doesn't merely dignify the individual and say, well, forget mm-hmm. about the collective, forget about rules. But to the extent that Maverick actually plays into the right moments to be an individual and to strike mm-hmm. out against uh, tradition, Christianity, I think, dignifies that. Just like mm-hmm. Maverick is breaking the rules because people's lives are at stake in this movie, Christianity gives yeah. us a hierarchy of values. It's just the right hierarchy of values that rejects rules for rules' sake and focuses it focuses right. human life right where it should be on our relationship with God hmm. and our relationship with other people. Um, well, I'll tell you one thing that I know. It's it's the pilot, not the plane. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Casey. Highway to the danger zone. Hey, give me just give me some Top Gun facts, please. All right, fact number one. This is from uh, uh, Hannah's friend Christy. So thanks, Christy. Thanks, Christy. Uh, here's you fact got a shout one. out. All of the scenes of them flying, the actors are literally doing those things in the air. They're yes. sitting behind Navy pilots who are doing those crazy what? maneuvers. What? Everyone knows what? that. What? Did you know that? You surely Wait, knew that. They're not flying the planes and doing the maneuvers. No, no. A but Navy they are pilot, in a plane that is doing the maneuver. That's correct. It's not like, okay, now fly in a way that makes it seem like you're barrel rolling. They're like, no, no we're way. actually doing the no, maneuvers. They are do barrel they pull rolling. 10 Gs? I or do they don't... pull Mach 10? I would be surprised, but I'm sure they're pulling some Gs. Pulling Gs? Okay, the that's a great fact. Give me another. Give me another. Fact number two. They would have a uh, barf bag oh. in their laps. Each of the actors um, needed their barf bag. Everyone used one. Yeah, at their some barf point. bags were uh, full. I'm so glad we talked about picking our nose and barf on this episode. Uh, here's another fact. Each of the actors, uh-huh. they might not have been flying the planes and grabbing those G's in the moment, okay. but they were trained and licensed as pilots for the films, so they'd know details like where to put their hands. Wowza. Uh, like when you're fl- when you are flying a plane. Next fact: each okay. um, the scene where they're playing football on the beach. Tom yeah. Cruise apparently made them do a retake weeks later because they d- hadn't spent enough time in the gym, and they needed to be <gasps> even more ripped than, than they were. Ooh, that's so funny. Uh, Christy says this: the female uh, actress Phoenix was the best uh, at adjusting to the speed and maneuvers. Ooh, girl power! Score one for the lady pilots. Uh, after the very first Top Gun movie, Navy recruitment went up by 500%. Whoa. That's like after Finding Nemo came out, everybody was um, adopting clownfish and blue tamps, which are uh, now an endangered species. No. Oh, Sorry. no. I know. So be careful. Filmmakers, you better be responsible. Oh, man. What if this makes the Army and the Air Force an endangered species? Oh, savage. <laughs> That's good. Hey, this has been that was great. Top Gun yeah. Maverick. This has been Top Gun Maverick, and so fun to do this with you. Hey, you guys, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> I it. just said that because that's what other people say. I don't, I don't know. Are we it. saying that? Yeah, we're gonna, s- we're gonna start saying it. So far, we've avoided it, but it's time to say it. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Hey guys. Like and subscribe. Have a nice day. Yeah. That's okay. We know you're already crazy about us. So. That's right. Leave, leave us a comment telling us yeah. how radically committed you telling are. Telling us how to our podcast. Are. This has been Cinema Snorkel. We'll see you next time, guys.